Um, We are still in the middle of Easter season. I know that Easter seems a while back now, but but it doesn't end for the church straight away. We do Easter for about seven weeks. And we've been slowly exploring this chapter of Paul's letter to the Corinthians, which describes what the resurrection is, what the resurrection means, and how the resurrection changes the world. Uh, Last week, David took a very loyally section of the of the of the letter which is full of logic and such like and, and because he's such a brilliant lawyer he was able to unpick it really skillfully it was a wonderful sermon and this week Paul then takes that and he applies it to what it means for us and our creation Christianity is all about the resurrection Christianity is not probably what you think it's about on Friday night, I, was, um, I went, to the, went to the pub with um, some of the parents of St. Mary, some of the dads of St. Mary's School. There's a, um, there's a WhatsApp group, and every now and then, all the dads say, let's gather here and have a drink. Um, and normally I can't make it, but this was the first one I'd ever been able to make. And so we had, we had, we had some drinks and a chat, and it turns out that most of the dads at St. Mary's School don't recognize me when I'm not wearing my glasses. It was brilliant. When I didn't have my glasses on, the conversation was of a certain level and tone. And then when I put my glasses on, they were like, oh, the vicar's here. Oh. (laughs) Suddenly the language changed. (laughs) Suddenly the way they conducted themselves changed. And then suddenly the questions come, because as soon as you reveal yourself as a vicar, it's a bit like Superman, isn't it? (laughs) <laughs> as soon as you reveal yourself as a vicar, the same questions come out. And they, may, they remind me that Christianity isn't what most people think it is out there. The dad's just come up to me, yeah, I'm, I'm not religious. I'm not really religious. I say, nor am I really. They go, oh, I didn't grow up as a Christian. I, I grew up in a family where they didn't go to church. So, nor did, I, I grew up in a family that didn't go to church. I'm not a Christian because my parents took me to church. They go, oh, I, 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 just, I don't do good deeds for eternal rewards. I just do good deeds for they're good deeds. I was like, yeah, so do I. I don't do good deeds to get into heaven because that's not what Christianity is about. Christianity isn't a story of right and wrong. It's a story of life and death. Christianity isn't what you think it is. It starts with a garden. You mostly know this story, don't you? It starts in the Garden of Eden. God creates a place that is eternal, that is good, that is joyful. There is great stuff happening in the garden. Loads of natural sugars. And he says, eat from whatever you want. But whatever you do, don't eat from that one tree. And lo and behold, you know what they do. They eat from that one tree. I didn't realize how long it takes to chew. <laughs> Eating that fruit wasn't about just they shouldn't touch that fruit. It wasn't just about disobeying God. When Adam and Eve eat that, ate that fruit, it was about turning away from the one who had given them life who had given them joy, who had given them the perfect place to live. When they eat the fruit, they turn away from the one who has given them life 
and therefore they introduced death into the world. The passage that we just read, through man, through Adam comes death. And the thing is, that death isn't just the fact that our lives cease, it's also the fact that we are disconnected from the one who gives us life. We do things that strip us back, don't we? We do things that turn ourselves in on ourselves rather than turn us to sources of life and joy. I think sometimes the reason that God kicked Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden was because if he didn't, they'd probably go back to the tree again and have another bite of the apple. You know that if he didn't eject them from the, the Garden of Eden, as soon as his back would turn, they were like, that fruit was good, wasn't it? I know he said I wouldn't, shouldn't have it, but I'll do it again. Because we know that, because we keep doing it, don't we? We know what those things are that break us a little bit, that introduce a dark side to us. That as soon as our guard is down, as soon as we are hungry, or lonely, or tired, we return to something that we know doesn't bring us life. I am... Um, I thought I'd use the apple as an illustration just to, to grab your attention. I, I left it on the desk during the 9.30 service. And you know what I thought? I thought, I bet someone takes a bite out of that before I get there. Because <laughs> you know what human nature is like, don't you? You know that if there's a big red button that says, do not press, you want to sit there and press, 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 and see what happens. Am I the only one who, if I walk across a bridge with my phone out, checking my phone, I think, there's a little voice in the back of my head that goes, Throw the phone into the river. Go on, see what happens. <laughs> Am I the only one who has that? <laughs> I'm a sociopath. I knew it. <laughs> the world is broken because the, f- the first humans turned away from the source of life himself. They disobeyed him. It's not about what they did or what fruit they ate, whether it was an apple or something else. It's because they didn't trust God. And we keep doing the same thing. The world is broken because the first humans turned away from the source of life himself. But the world is being fixed because that source of life seeks us out. We turned away from God, and God's answer is not to go, I'll wait for them to come back to me. God's answer is to seek us out, to come in the form of a baby who grows up to be Jesus Christ, the the carpenter who dies on the cross as our Messiah, who rises again as the conqueror of death. The onus isn't on you to chase after, become better and do more. It's to accept the fact that God is coming after you. Your job is to stop walking in the way of Adam. And turn back to him who has sought you out, Christ Jesus. Christianity isn't what you think it is. It is a moment between death and life. We know, as as was said earlier, we know there is pain and problems around us. But we know that Jesus Christ has defeated it. But he is still with us. The classic illustration is D-Day. We all know the story of D-Day, don't we? That the, the, the boats land on the beaches. There was a huge battle on the, on, on the beaches. And, the, and at that point, World War II was pretty much won. 
At that point, the tide had turned. At that point, victory was assured. But we've all seen Saving Private Ryan. There's still a battle to be done. There's still numerous battles to have before they get to Berlin, before victory is complete. That's what the resurrection of Jesus is like. It's like D-Day. It's finished. It's done. Death is defeated. All the things that bring death into our lives, brokenness, hurt, harm, disagreements between us, that's all defeated, and yet we have to fight through the battles until we see the kingdom of God fully realized. But this passage that we read starts off with the idea that we see first fruits breaking through. We start to see glimpses of God, Christ's life, Christ defeating death, breaking through into various parts of our lives in our community. There's a rose bush just outside there. There was about four rose bushes part, 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 um, planted in the square. And at the moment, there's one flower on them. That one flower is like Christ. We don't go, that's it, it's finished. One resurrection, that was good enough for the humankind. We know that what will happen is resurrection will keep breaking through, that more flowers will break forth, that one day the whole plant will be in bloom, that one day Christ's resurrection will break through. We see glimpses of the harvest that is to come. And we are invited to make that happen, to put things under Christ's rule. Um, the bishop describes it as pain and deposit. We're invited to put some of our time, energy, effort into saying, I'm going to start to build that resurrection kingdom now. Christianity isn't what you think about. I think it is. Christianity is not a story about us going to a new place. It's about us and God making this place new. Christianity is not about us getting to another place. It is about God making this place new and us being part of that. Heaven, heaven is not a place we get to when we die. Heaven is a place that we bring to earth now. When we live lives shaped by his resurrection. When we bring comfort to those who are grieving. Healing to those who are hurt. Peace to the distressed. We see the first fruits of God's kingdom breaking through. When we take derelict buildings and make them into schools and youth clubs, we're building God's kingdom of resurrection in our midst, in our community. When we take poor school children in Mozambique and we give them the chance to become nurses and midwives, and we, we train them up to build and release them to build a resurrection kingdom themselves, we are declaring that Jesus Christ is risen in our midst. We are making our deposit on the eternity that we are assured of. Christianity is about building God's kingdom in the here and now, about seeing life flourish, about seeing death overturned. So now comes the first of my three points. <laughs> that was just the introduction bit. I mean, there's three things that Paul picks up at the end of this passage. That was a praise the first half of the passage. Um, I don't know if we can get from verse um, 29, where it talks about baptizing, baptizing for the dead. I don't know if we can bring that up, Jeff, or not. Um, 
I haven't warned you, so it's awful. So if he does it, it's amazing. In the end of this passage, I mean, these are three places that we see resurrection in our midst all the time. It talks about, in verse 29, Otherwise, what will those people do who receive baptism on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? Now, this isn't a suggestion of what we should do. We shouldn't start baptizing people because for, on, on, benefit, on behalf of dead people. What Paul's saying is, I've noticed you've started to do this. Why do you do it? The reason you do it is because when you're faced with death, you know there is something more. You do it because when you're faced with a funeral, when you're faced with the loss of a loved one or someone you really admire, you've, you've got this agency in that you want to do something. When you've seen a life lived well, you don't believe that, that death can crush it. Um, I've been having quite a few discussions over the past couple of weeks with a chap who is a humanist celebrant of a funeral. So humanists are people who believe there is no life after death whatsoever. At death, it finishes, it stops, that's it. I don't know how joyful his funerals are, but that's it. It's boom, stop. I said to him, I was pulling his leg a bit, he's a, re- he's a relative, I'm allowed to pull his leg a bit. I said to him, I said, so when you die, who's going to do your funeral? He was like, I don't care, I'll be dead. I went, can I do it? <laughs> He went, why would you want to do it? I was like, because I'll give you a full requiem mass. I'll do the full works. We'll get, we'll get the organ out. We'll play big hymns. We'll have candles everywhere. We'll, we'll read from the Bible. He's like, oh, no, no, that's not what I want. I'm a humanist. I'm like, well, it doesn't count. You're dead. He goes, yeah, but when it does count. I was like, you said it does. Do you, do you get what happens? Do you see what happens in his, his song? It happens to us all, doesn't it? That actually, when we're faced with the loss of a loved one, suddenly believing in the resurrection can come into a little bit more focus. We can believe that all those times of love that we shared, that joy in shaping that someone, someone's life has made upon us, isn't just snuffed out by death. Death does not have the final victory. I don't believe that death can crush the life-filled people I know. I think resurrection is more powerful. This is what Paul's talking about here. He goes, you believe in the resurrection when people die. And maybe you describe as, oh, they live in on our memory or such like. But the Christian truth is that as Christ rose from the grave, so will we and the people that we love be brought to new life, restored, renewed. The second thing Paul, does, Paul talks about. He says, and why are we putting ourselves in danger every hour? I die every day. That is a certain, brothers and sisters, as my boasting of you. A boast that I make in Christ Jesus our Lord. If, we, if with merely human hopes I fought with wild animals at Ephesus, what would I have gained by it if the dead are not raised? Uh, when he talks about fighting wild animals at Ephesus, it's not literally, he, he didn't go and wrestle a bear. It's a common metaphor that we find in Greek literature. It means he just got into a lot of trouble in Ephesus. Paul's based at Ephesus when he writes this letter. Um, his first visit to Ephesus, he preached the gospel, and then there's a riot. I think it was Rowan Williams who said, when Paul preached, there was a riot. Where I, when I preached, they served me tea. <laughs> but there's a, 
idea that we strive and we seek to build something special. One of the things that happened on Friday night, everyone was like, well, you're a vicar, aren't you? I was like, I didn't choose this life. This wasn't my desire to be a vicar. There are much more different ways of living a life which create more freedom. I mean, you don't have to behave yourself all the time. But I do this because Christ rose from the grave. I pour myself out because he has defeated death. I will wrestle wild animals if I think it builds his kingdom. This is why we work. This is why we start schools. This is why we we pour ourselves out. This is why we are generous. This is why we we give away. This is why we try and do as much as we can to build God's kingdom. Because it's joining in with the resurrection. And finally, I've got bits of apple in my Bible. That's not the point. Um, Finally, it says, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins God morals. Come to a sober and right mind and sin no more. For some people have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. Paul calls us to a holy lifestyle. He calls us to live right. And it's really important that we get the causality right here. He doesn't say, be right, and then you'll experience the resurrection. He says, experience the resurrection And the way that you keep living that out, the way that you keep building something new, the way that you keep shaping this world to be a new, great place where God's kingdom breaks through is by being holy. It's by choosing to turn away from sin and turn to Christ. It's vital that we get this the right way around. Christ is inviting you to live a resurrection life. To see all the times of death that we see it overturned by his power working through you. The Bible promises the same power that rose Christ from the grave lives in you. Do you want to shape the world? Do you want to change it? Are you following Adam or are you turned towards Christ? Um, I'm going to invite the band up. I'm going to sing a song. Even now, I'm tempted to have a bite of the apple, even though that I'll be, I know I'll be chewing it and I won't be able to do the response. If you're able, you please stand. Some of us have heard a story, a Christian story, which says you've got to behave yourself, you've got to do lots of right things, and that's you take it to heaven. Today, God invites you to something radically different. Today, Christ invites you to turn from Adam, to turn from those things that, that, that make us a bit more broken, to turn to Christ, that you may join with him in creating a new world, a restored world, a resurrected world, where death is defeated, where poverty is overturned, where sickness is healed, where grief is comforted. If you are thirsty, come to him. If you are struggling, come to him. As we sing this song, I pray that God's Holy Spirit 
may meet with us, transform us and change us for the sake of Jesus Christ, the man who left death behind.